ever had one of those, those moments in life where the truth made you uncomfortable? Just think for a second, where the truth made you uncomfortable. I've had quite a few of those. And um, as I was thinking back this, this week on when I've had those moments, I was surprised at how many of those moments have come in my own house. Um, I have a family that's okay with telling me the truth. Um, I'm at the age where, uh, shall we say, my, my, uh, my dad gut is becoming a little less shy these days. And um, it keeps popping out more and more. And when it does, I have five people in my life who are more than happy to tell me the uncomfortable truth. Like, Dad, what's that? Uh, um, last summer, I had a moment where Becky and I, uh, where I came face to face with the uncomfortable truth. Becky and I had gotten away, and we were um, having, having a getaway down in Puerto Vallarta. And uh, we had a great time, just the two of us, and we had lots of sunshine, ate lots of tacos, went and did lots of swimming on the, in the ocean and adventuring around the city. And, uh, but underneath all the activity, we both knew that something wasn't right. And there was this distance between us, and it wasn't new. We just hadn't noticed it before because we were just too busy doing life to notice this distance. And I don't remember exactly how it came up, but our last night there... Somehow we got talking about this, and I came face-to-face -face with some uncomfortable truth. Becky courageously shared with me how the guy that was sitting across the table from her wasn't the same guy that she um, married in ways that weren't good. And then she shared some of what those ways were, and, and it was uncomfortable. And maybe you've had some similar run-ins run with the truth that made you uncomfortable. Um, maybe you told your parents that you were going to the library to study, but really... Um, you were heading out with your friends to a party that you were allowed to be at, and somehow your parents found out when the truth came out, it wasn't comfortable. Maybe your phone was taken away for a month, which for a teenager is like being sent to live in the Arctic on an iceberg with polar bears, and it just wasn't comfortable. Or maybe you tried to hide some kind of an addiction. Maybe you were trying to hide a, a, an addiction from uh, a spouse and. And one day, they, they found out, stuff started popping up on your phone that they were borrowing, and it became uncomfortable when you came face-to-face -face with, with the truth. It's true. The truth will set you free, but first, it's usually, it has a way of making us feel pretty uncomfortable. It disrupts our comfortable, cozy, false way of, of living. 2,000 years ago, there was a man who experienced this, this firsthand, this this way that truth disrupts our comfortable, cozy, false way of living. His name was Pilate. Um, Pilate was a governor at the time um, of Jesus who had been assigned by Rome to govern this little section of land called Judea, um, which is modern-day Israel. And one of Pilate's duties was to sit as judge over trials. And to be honest, the only reason that we even know about this man today is because he sat as judge over the most famous trial in all of history, and, and that, of course, is the trial of Jesus. And at this trial, as, as Jesus stood right before Pilate, Pilate begins to ask Jesus some questions. And as he does, he comes face to face with the truth. The Bible says that, that Pilate summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And, and Jesus asked him, Is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about it? Notice what Jesus is doing here. He's not allowing Pilate to stay distant from the truth, but, but he's bringing Pilate face to face with the truth of who he is, and he's not letting Pilate wiggle around it. 
Pilate replies, am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there. Throughout this series, we're doing a series for the last few weeks and through the month of December called Light the Way. One of the things that we're doing in this series is, is we're looking at these statements that Jesus made that were very clear statements about his purpose, why he came. And so the first week, we look at his, his statement where Jesus comes along and he says, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. He comes to call sinners to repentance. And then last week, we looked at the statement where he says, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I've, I've come to fulfill them. And this week, what we're doing is, of all the purpose statements that he made, is we're looking at this one that carries the most clarity and the most force with it. He says, the reason I was born. Christmas Day, th this is the reason, Jesus says, that I was born and came into the world, it's this, it's to testify to the truth. And when you talk about truth causing a disruption to comfortable living, nowhere do we see this clear than the disruption that Jesus caused when he stepped down off his throne and down here to earth. It's interesting how Jesus describes his birth. He describes it in two ways. He says, I was born and I came. I was born and I came. Who do you know that describes their, their birth like that? My name's Rich. Uh, I was born and I came into the world on August 18, 1974, which is 45 and saving you under the map. But <laughs> no one says that, right? No one says I was born and I came into the world. You say I was born on and then you give you your, your birthday. But with Jesus, it's different. And the reason that it's different is because Christmas isn't just about a birth. It's about someone who existed long before his birthday coming into the world. With my kids, the five kids, there was a period uh, where Becky and I were married. It was about 13 months where Becky and I were married without any kids. And I honestly have pretty well zero collection of, of that, that time in our lives. It's just all kids that I remember. But on February 24, 2000, our lives drastically changed. Um, kids started popping out. One, two, three, four, five. It's like popcorn in the warm house. And, and here's, what's, here's what's crazy though when I saw it and think about it. There was a time in Becky and I's lives where none of my five kids existed. They didn't exist at all. Their bodies, their souls, their personhood, none of it existed. But when we're talking about Jesus, it's different. He existed long before his birth. It's why he can say, I, I wasn't just born, but, but I came to the world. That's why we call his birth incarnation, the one who is true. God Almighty had stepped down from his throne in heaven and come to earth. And when he did, make no mistake about it, he caused a massive disruption in the heavens and the earth. Massive. You know, in a lot of ways, the truth about what went on that very first Christmas day has, has been lost behind layers of commercialism. It's been lost behind 
layers of sentimentality, um, even within the church. Um, Christmas is baby Jesus, right? He's asleep on the hay. It's wintry scenes with quiet, peaceful, snow-covered houses set deep in the forest. It's silent, holy nights where all is calm and all is bright. But on that first Christmas day, it was actually so much more than a peaceful, sentimental day with the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. It was, in fact, a full-on invasion. The one who is truth stepped down into the domain of the father of lies, and it was not peaceful, it was uncomfortable, and it was very disruptive. In fact, it was a cosmic battle of epic proportions between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. Now, the center of the battle was truth. At Jesus' birth, this battle was actually taking place on two different fronts. And there was the, the war that was taking place in the unseen spiritual world, and then there was the war that was taking place in the physical world. And the book of, of Revelation, it captures the scene that was actually playing out in the unseen world at the time of Jesus' birth. And we don't have time to get into the, into the whole story, but if you ever have some time in this afternoon, grab a hold of Revelation chapter 12 and read the, the other Christmas story. It's this scene where a, a woman is giving birth and a dragon, the Bible says, is present to devour the baby. Then it says she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. So there's this truth that shows up at Jesus' birth. He will rule the nations. It's a truth that the enemy is not too excited about. It's like showing up to the sheriff's office with an armed posse and saying, Hey, uh, from now on, I'm in charge. It's not going to go over very well. There's going to be a bit of a squirmish. And when Jesus is born, the Bible was on the same revelation. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. That's a little different than all is calm, calm is bright, isn't it? And then there's this, this other front that the battle is playing out on in the physical world. Shortly after Jesus' birth, we know the story about this group of magi. We call them the three wise men. They show up on the scene. They're, they're looking uh, for, for a king. They're going around Judea, and they're asking where this king is that's going to be born. While Herod, who is the current king, is understandably not too excited that there's a group of, of, of wise men from another country showing up looking for a king. You see, the truth was that there was a new king in town, Jesus. And this caused a major disruption. And there's this scene from the Christmas story that actually doesn't make it into our, 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 our retelling of the story very often because it's just ugly and brutal and disruptive. And, and it's Herod, he, he's so upset that he can't track down this new king that the Bible says he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in his vicinity who were two years old and under. It's disruptive. Truth shows up on the scene, and this war breaks out in the heavenlies, and then there's this major disruption in the physical world. It's not silent and calm. It's full-on D-Day. It's the turning point in the cosmic battle between good and evil. Powerful kings are flying into a frenzy, trying to track down this newborn baby. Angels and, and demons are clashing in the unseen world. Jesus, God in the flesh, has arrived full of grace and full of truth. And it was not comfortable. It, it, was, it was disruptive. Now, what is it about truth that the enemy hates so much? 
You ever stop to think about that? What, what is it about truth that the enemy just hates so much? Why does it cause so much disturbance whenever truth is revealed? Here's why. It's because in this world, the only power the enemy really has over anyone is getting you to believe a lie. It's really the only power that he has over anybody is getting you to believe a lie. And what the truth does is it, it not only comes in and it destroys, it wrecks the lie, it, it also destroys the enemy's power over you. The Bible, in, in describing Satan, it says this. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies, and he's been doing this right from the very, very beginning of time. His lying, it started in the Garden of Eden. He shows up with Adam and Eve, and he gets them the question, is God really good? Is he really trustworthy? And they fall for the deception. They believe that, that the lie that God isn't really good. They're deceived into thinking that God is somehow holding out for, on them. He's kind of a stingy God. And they, they fall for the lie, and humanity has been falling for the lies ever since. Believing lies like, like uh, about God, like God isn't good, or God doesn't really care for you, or God can't really set you free. God isn't for you. God doesn't exist. Lie after lie after lie. And then there's the lies that he gets us to believe that keep us enslaved, like you don't really need God. Just be a good person. Be good enough, and you'll be fine. Or God will make your life miserable. Or you've made too many mistakes to be accepted by God. Believing the lies, what that does is it, it keeps you bound up, keeps you in the domain of the enemy. And what Jesus does, he shows up on the scene. And he doesn't just show up to speak truth. He shows up to reveal truth. He reveals it. Probably if, if you look at truth and go, okay, what, what are we talking about when we talk about truth? Because especially in this day and age, a lot of people, when you start talking about truth, have a different idea of what truth really means. Well, if you were to, to kind of boil truth right down to its very essence, you could describe truth like this, this. You could say truth is that which corresponds to reality. That which corresponds to reality. It, it expresses what's real. A lie, on the other hand, doesn't correspond to reality. So if I was to show up here this morning and say, Hey, uh, you may not know this, but every week I fly down to Los Angeles and you don't see it, but I actually play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers and I make millions of dollars. You'd be going, nope, that's a lie. That does not correspond with reality. And you would be right. The reality is that just this last week I was invited to play pickup basketball and I declined the invite because I was feeling old and tired. That is more in line that expresses reality. And when Jesus reveals truth, he reveals the reality of who God is and what God is like. And, and he is the perfect picture of God. When he says that he came to bear witness to the truth, the truth, he's saying, I came to show you the reality of what God is like. In fact, Scripture puts it like this. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. Don't let anybody ever deceive you or trick you into thinking that Jesus is not God, that he's just a God. No, the Bible says that he is himself God. Jesus shows up who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus shows up and he reveals God. And so 
Here he comes on the scene, and as Jesus walks the earth, his words and his actions are revealing truth. They're exposing one lie after another lie after another lie. God really doesn't care about you. Jesus goes, not true. Watch as I bless little children. Watch as I heal your sicknesses. Watch as I feed thousands of people and speak words of life to you. God can't set you free. Jesus shows up and says, not true. In fact, allow me to find the most bound up person. How about a guy that's got a thousand demons inside of him and watch as I set him free like that. You've made too many mistakes to be accepted by God. Jesus says, not true either. In fact, watch as I invite the prostitute, the corrupt tax collector, the prideful fisherman, the thief, the murderer to come follow me. God isn't good. Jesus says, not true. Instead, watch as I show you that God is so good, that he's so for you, that he's not even willing to spare his own son, but instead is going to give him up on a cross for you. And in revealing the truth, what Jesus does is he exposes one lie after another lie after another lie. And you just watch his life. What's he doing? He is constantly sweeping away pretense and hypocrisy, lies and establishing truth. And as you can imagine, not everybody is happy about it. And, and why? Because truth is uncomfortable. Truth disrupts. Yes, it'll set you free, but first, it's going to really tick some people off. But Jesus doesn't let that stop him. Instead, what he does is he keeps revealing more truth. He doesn't water things down. He doesn't blur the lines. He's clear. He's concise. Yes, it causes upheaval to our cozy, comfortable lives. But here's the good news in all that. If we let it, if we submit to it, truth will disrupt, but it will also set us free. It'll set us free. That truth bomb that was dropped on me last summer in Puerto Vallarta, yeah, it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I was a little bit mad. I'm like, really, on our last night, we're talking about this? We're on the beach, this beautiful little restaurant, talking about this? It was disruptive and uncomfortable, but did it ever set me free? Freed me to love Becky and to pursue her in a way that I just hadn't done since we were even dating. Think about what happened when, when Jesus first showed up in your life. He says, hey, you're going the wrong way. That the life that you're living right now that you think is, is actually life, listen, you're not living life and life to the full. He shows up and he exposes that the life you're living is actually going to destroy you. And does it ever disrupt? You lose friends. Your family thinks that you're crazy. That's not super comfortable. Often you, you have to give up all that you've ever known. I mean, in some countries... It's so disruptive that they actually lose their lives for following Jesus. But does it ever set us free? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I love how he puts this. Truth isn't about knowing a bunch of principles. It's not, it's not about knowing a bunch of, of head knowledge and, and, and having right thinking. Those are all good to have. Principles and right thinking, thinking are great to have, but they are powerless to change you. Why? Because knowing truth is ultimately not about knowing something. It's about knowing someone. It's about knowing Jesus. And then not just knowing Jesus. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, 
you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth. The truth is Jesus, and it will set you free. It's not just knowing him, it's holding to his teachings, it's following him, it's obeying him, and when you do that, it brings a freedom to you, your life that you could never experience apart from Jesus. And so here's Jesus going back to the scene with Pilate. He's, he's standing before Pilate, standing there as the one who's the way, standing there as the one who's the truth, standing there as the life. And, and he, doesn't, he didn't just show up with physical force. He came as a baby, but nevertheless, he did show up with force, and it was the force of truth. And as we wrap things, th- things up this morning, maybe you're going, okay, this is all good and fine, Rich, but what in the world does this have to do with my life? Yeah, I understand how Jesus is truth. I understand how he came and he exposed one lie after another lie after another lie. But what does this have to do um, with me this morning? Well, well here's some, 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 some ways that this just applies to our lives. And as we wrap things up this morning, I just want to actually wrap up by asking you two questions. And the first question is this. How might you be a witness to the truth like Jesus was? How might you be a witness to the truth like Jesus was? Now, I want to give you just three ways this morning. If you're, if you're a note taker, here's three ways that you can be a witness to the truth like Jesus. First is this. When the opportunity presents itself, boldly share your faith. Share your faith. The right opportunity is everything. It's everything. Walking into Hagen right after church this morning and reading the Bible verse loud and clear to the cashier who you've never met before in your life, that might not be the right opportunity. But when a friend or a family member over the next couple of weeks who's just searching and seeking and and, and knows that you've got something different about you because you're, you're a part of this church community and they're asking questions, that might be a great time to boldly share your faith. And don't hold back. Share truth. And don't be surprised if at first it's uncomfortable and even disruptive. Truth always is. But be bold and share anyway. So when the opportunity presents itself, boldly share your faith. Second way that you can be a witness to the truth is, is, is this. Um, be a person of integrity. Be a person of integrity. Live your life in a way that, that just bears witness to not only the truth, Jesus, but just truth. Integrity means you're living honestly. You act the same way regardless of who it is that you're with. It, it doesn't matter that if you're with this group of friends or that group of friends. It doesn't matter if you're with your, your, your boss. or it, you, just, you act the same, same way. You don't have one face in front of one group of people and a different face behind their back. You're authentic. You're, what you see is what you get. That's, that's bearing witness to truth. Be a person of integrity. Stop being flaky and get a backbone. Another way you can bear witness to the truth is to live by the truth even when it's hard. Living by the truth. It's not always easy, is it? It's just not. And i got to be honest with you. Truth will, will make you enemies. It's going gonna, it's gonna to Cause people not always to like you. People aren't always going to be able to handle the truth. For example, you know, one of the, the biggest lies that's been that, that the enemy has, has just thrown out there over the centuries, centuries is, is the lie that people are created unequal. Some people have more value and worth than other people. This is like the lie that's the foundation of racism and prejudice. And, and standing up to that truth throughout the ages, um, standing up to the truth that all men are created equal, it's never been easy. I mean, just think about back over the last hundred years to the men and women who have stood up for the truth that all men are created equal, and the road was hard. 
I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was, was murdered. Standing up for the truth, living by the truth, is not always going to be easy. It's just not. In, in, in today's day and age, you're going to be labeled uh, things like a fundamentalist. You're going to be labeled things like a hater, intolerant. And if you believe things firmly, people will come after you. Truth disrupts. It doesn't just disrupt our comfortable, safe lives, but the comfortable, safe lives of those that, that are around us. You will get pushback. You know, I've, I'm sometimes tempted to avoid the truth or at the very least tempted to kind of soften a little bit, maybe water it down or sugarcoat it for fear of rejection, rejection. But Jesus did not live his life like that. He laid it out, clear, straightforward, bold for all to hear, and he didn't apologize for it. And God calls us to do the same, to speak the truth in love and then let the chips fall where they may. Don't shrink back for fear of man. After all, you're... you're you're ultimately responsible to God, not man. Speak the truth and speak it in love. So the first question is, how can you bear witness to the truth? And then my second question that I want to close with this morning is this. How will you respond to the truth of Jesus? How will you respond to the truth of Jesus? And a lot of times we talk about how we respond. We just go, there's two, there's two ways to respond. Either we're going to reject Jesus or we're going to Accept Jesus. Two responses. But there's actually another option to Jesus, and it's the one that Pilate chose. Pilate was just passive. He was passive when it came to Jesus. He didn't accept Jesus and follow him, but if you read the whole story there in John chapter 18, he didn't really actually reject Jesus either. He's just passive. He doesn't really ever decide what he's going to do with Jesus. Pilate does nothing. And and Pilate, he's like that group of people who come to church, and you're not against Jesus, but you're not really fully for him either. Right now, you may be more more concerned about your agenda, you're concerned more about your marriage, your job, graduating, friends, whatever it might be. It's just, you're just kind of passive about it. He's there, and you're not really rejecting him, but but you're not really, you're not really believing the truth about how he's your Lord and your Savior and you're and going all after him. You're just, being pa- you're just being passive. Passivity will keep you from the truth. It will keep you from the truth. The opposite of being passive is being active. It's being courageous enough to do something. You make a decision. And there's some things in life that you just have to make a decision on. And when it comes to the truth about Jesus, so many people go through life and they, they hear about Jesus and they, they, you show up in church and you hear him preached, and, and you, 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 you don't reject him, though. You don't really follow him. You don't really make a decision on him. J.D. Greer, this pastor out of North Carolina, he says it's in eternal insanity to just brush off truth and say you'll get to it later. But so many people do that week after week after week after week. Pilate, he has this moment where he's literally staring truth in the face, and what does he do? He just kind of sweeps truth away because he has an important political decision to make in that moment. He's indifferent. He's passive. Don't make Pilate's mistake of taking Jesus too lightly. Don't make that mistake. Don't make the mistake of not following him, not pursuing him, just coming to church and doing this because it's just what you do. Maybe just showing up because you just want to make a spouse happy, because you just want to maybe give your kids some kind of like principled foundation. Meanwhile, ignoring the truth about who Jesus is 
Jesus, the one who is truth, is here today speaking, speaking truth. And maybe you're here this moment, this morning, and this is a moment for you, similar to what Pilate had, where, where you're coming face to face with the truth. And I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe, maybe God is speaking to you and saying, hey, you're, you've been in that boat of being passive and just being indifferent about Jesus, even though you hear him preach all the time. You're not really going full on with me, Jesus is saying this morning. And you've got a choice today. Are you going to go, yeah, Jesus, I'm going I'm to accept you for who you are and the truth of all that you are, Lord, King, Savior, Messiah, worthy of all my life, all my heart, or are you going to re- reject me? And this morning as we, we wrap up our time together, I want to I pray for us. And if you could just do me a big favor, I'd love to have every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. And I want to have a moment where, where you have an opportunity to have just some, a, a moment this morning with you and Jesus. With you and Jesus. And I believe that Jesus wants to ask you those two questions. First of all, how can you bear witness to the truth? How do you need to be doing that differently in the way that you live your life? And the second question is this. How are you going to respond to the truth of Jesus? How are you going to respond to the truth of Jesus? Heavenly Father, I I thank you, Lord, that, God, you showed up on the scene, Jesus, 2,000 years ago as truth in the flesh, the Word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the way that, that you Reveal truth, God, in all of its glory, God, in all of its force, in all of its power. Jesus, you never tried to water it down. You never tried to apologize for it. You never made it fuzzy.